I hope that you've had a wonderful and restful weekend, and it's great to have you in worship. Um, let us give a shout out to everyone that's joining us online, because sometimes I feel that the people online don't get to see, say hi to us. So I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to just spend a couple of seconds greeting one another, which I know is a favorite thing to do in this church. Um, so let's say hi, and if you want to pass that camera and wave at people over there, you can do that as well. So let's say, spend a couple of seconds just um, greeting one another. This is the part where I really get scared. Um, if you want to come back to your seats. This is the part where I actually wonder whether people will come back and, and listen to the sermon. Uh, it's really great to be with you in this time of worship. I'm really happy to have my sister visit me from Atlanta, which is good. My name is Jackie. If I haven't met you, I am your new pastor, and it's good to be with you this morning. Let us come together as we come to God in our call to worship. Would you stand with me, please? As we come to worship, let us leave at the door our self-centered thoughts and open our eyes to see our neighbor in worship. As we come to worship, let us leave at the door our feelings of exclusiveness and open our minds to the possibilities of inclusion. As we come to worship, let us leave outside our notion of generosity and our hearts to the possibility of giving beyond our typical gift. As we come to worship, let us open our eyes, our minds, and our hearts to what can be instead of what is. For all of our gifts, for all of our possibilities, let us lift our voices in praise. Let's remain standing as we continue now in a time of worship. Thank you. The last line of that says, lift our voices. Is that what he says? Okay. So I'm counting on you to lift your voices and Praise God with us this morning. Is that amen? So, we're going to lift our hands in this place.
everything that have breath. Let everything that have breath. Let everything that can breathe today have breath. Let us praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The next song we're going to do is I Speak Jesus. That is such a powerful name. When you call that name, things happen. Is that amen?
What a powerful song. Oh, my goodness. As we come to this time to join together in prayer, I'm going to invite you to speak the name of Jesus. If you feel called during this prayer just to call out his name, please do. Um, what a powerful name to share together this morning. Let's bow our hearts and heads together. O oh, bountiful God, who gives us all that we need to sustain our lives, we are blessed beyond measure. Daily we see the works of your hands in the world and the beauty and the majesty of all creation. We see your grace and your provision and how much you love us, O oh Lord. Father God, we also, when we look into the world today, each and every place we turn, our hearts can break. So much, Lord, breaks our heart in this world on this day. We have family and friends that may be hurting through loss, through illness, through so many ways. We look around the world and we see fires that destroy your beautiful creation. We see floods in areas that people just can't compete. We see houses lost and families divided. And our hearts break. Father, we open our hearts today to hear your words of compassion, your words of mercy and justice, and to feel your arms around us, to feel your love and grace. Father, may we focus on the ways in which you intend us to live, to be of service to you and the world. Let us love each other as you have loved us, O oh Lord. Merciful God, we live in a society that focuses on gathering things, collecting and storing and gadgets and sometimes even people. We focus our energies on what needs to happen and how much we need to do or keep and provide and make sure that we are provided for. Sometimes there's bars at the doors of entry for those who don't have the standards that we have, for those who have little or nothing, for those that which life is a constant struggle, no matter what happens and what changes, it seems like they are still fighting to breathe. We are sorry for the ways in which we have failed you. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for those times that we have not seen as you have seen. Father God, we place our energy often too much in the gathering of things that we find value in. When we think we have enough, then we give some, but have we actually given thought to how we have given best of ourselves to others? Have we spent so much time gathering and building bigger and better containers and things and trinkets that we have overlooked how you are guiding us in this world? Father, forgive us when we failed. We have gathered here today asking for your healing mercies for people and situations that impact our lives. We place our trust in your compassion and your love and your grace. Help us to gather peace, Lord. Joy, justice, hope. Help these be the gifts that we treasure. Bring us again 
within your mercy and in your care, and hear us as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Would you grab a seat? Thank you so much to the worship team for leading us in this moment. I invite you now to come with me to Scripture, but as we do that, let us pray as we come to this word together this morning. And so, Lord God, as we come to your word, we know that it is the place of truth, that it opens heaven's door to us. And so we pray, God, that we would receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're continuing in the Gospel of Luke this morning as we continue in our lectionary reading, and I'm reading to you from the 12th chapter of Luke, and we pick it up in verse 13. 
Someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to him, watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. That's where I'll store all my grain and all my goods. I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Now who will get the things you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard things for themselves and aren't rich towards God. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the scripture, I want to say, do you ever, does that ever happen to you? Like, I don't think that word's for me. It's like, you know, let's, let's look around and see. Like, I think that word's for you, right? I mean, I think that there are moments where the scripture doesn't feel as if it's actually speaking to us. And what's really interesting about this passage is the way it begins, because that's really how it begins. Jesus, and if you read in the beginning of this particular, and, and of course you do know this, that while, by the time we get to, to receive the scriptures, they weren't chapter 12, chapter 13, you know that, right? It was the narrative that Jesus was speaking. And, and we have it in order to contain our understanding. We have it from passage and verse. But we cannot just read a piece of scripture without knowing what goes before and what comes after, because we've got to read it in the context. So Jesus was preaching. Now, one of the things Luke wants us to catch hold of is that Jesus had turned his face to Jerusalem. He had planned to go to Jerusalem, and we all know what was waiting for Jesus in Jerusalem. There was an intentional determination of Jesus to face what was going to be in Jerusalem. The, the places of his rejection, the places of his betrayal, the places of his crucifixion, and the place of his outpouring love. And so while he is busy teaching, as we see to his disciples, he's teaching from a place of urgency. If you read in Mark's gospel, particularly the last week of Jesus' life, there is an intense urgency in the way Jesus deals with his disciples. And so we walk right into that urgency, into the place where Jesus wants people to get what he's teaching. So I want to begin by saying one thing. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit has set us free. Okay, I think that when we come to Scripture, 
If we feel completely condemned in what the scriptures bring us, then we're actually not hearing the gospel. Then we're actually hearing something that is there to diminish us. But if we come to Scripture knowing that the God whom we worship is there, that who loves us, who wants to nurture us, and there is an urgency about God's love. And so can I suggest that that's how we come to the Scripture, and all Scripture, in fact. We come knowing that we are loved. Can do that. That's why I love the fact that next week we have communion. It is a moment where we keep having communion, knowing that God loves us. And so that is really what Jesus wants us to understand, that there is an urgency in his teaching only because he loves us. And so here he's teaching, and, and he's teaching about hypocrisy in the religious sector, and that's really a main theme of Jesus, as he teaches about hypocrisy, and that is a good theme, and is a theme that we have to keep hearing again and again as we are a place of religion, and sometimes we can actually even be hypocritical in our faith. And while he is preaching and while he is teaching, in the midst of everything, a young man interrupts him. And he interrupts him and, and, and says, Jesus, please can you deal? And, and if we read a little bit earlier in the passage, I want to give you a picture that it says that there, there was a mass of people that had come to listen to Jesus preach. And so he interrupts Jesus and he says, can you deal with this dispute that I have with my brother? Probably a younger brother. He was probably the younger brother. His, his father had probably passed away, and he wanted more of his inheritance. And don't you find that quite, I mean, it's fairly distasteful, right? When someone kind of, you know the story, don't hang your dirty, you know the deal. That translates worldwide. Okay, that's good. So, so ultimately, you think, well, what's going on here? And Jesus actually is fairly difficult with this man. He actually, he disciplines him and says, do not interrupt me with the places of your distraction. And he really wants to show us, and that's the first thing I want to speak about today, is that we become disorientated by the places of our distraction. So if you own a cell phone today, you probably get distracted because we are at a generation where they say that our attention span is very limited. And so, you know, we are this quick fix, microwave, everything happens instantly. Who, I, I want to tell you that one of the things I love about our instant world is watching movies on demand. Who doesn't love watching movies on demand? Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I enjoy on demand. I definitely, you know, but the, the reality is our on-demand society has actually given us an ability to struggle with our attention span. And so here is a man who is disorientated by the very thing that is distracting him from hearing truth. But let me tell you what that thing is. That, that thing is overpowering. It is, he, his father has died. The estate is about to be divided. Nothing is more important to him than that very thing. He's probably actually speaking about his livelihood. He was probably about to actually be disinherited, maybe even thrown out of the homestead. I mean, the reality is this man was in a crisis. And that's what makes what Jesus is dealing with even more difficult. Because he disciplines him from the place of being in a, in a vulnerable moment. 
But ultimately, he's trying to drive home the same point that he was saying to the Pharisees, that he was saying to the Sadducees, we need to be aware of the things that distract us from hearing the truth of the word of God. And I know that's sometimes quite a hard thing to fathom, but it is true. And that might mean the very thing that is jeopardizing your livelihood at the moment. At times, the very thing that disorientates us is the very thing that is urgent, and it might be the very thing that is distracting us from hearing God's word. There is a disruption to the family values. He, this man represents a typical person in the multitude of all humanity absorbed in his own world. Because ultimately, and John Wesley knew this when he spoke about the world being his parish, ultimately we're not called just into our worlds if we're Christians. We're called into a far greater and abundant life. I want to give you life in all its fullness. I want to give you a life that is filled with the kingdom of God on heaven, here on earth as it is in heaven. Do not allow the distraction of your life, no matter how pressing it is upon your soul, to disorientate you from hearing the wisdom of God. Okay, that's the first thing I want to say. Second thing I want to speak about is the confrontation that Jesus makes in this parable with our determination to live by our own power. I mean, at one level, we should actually applaud this man. He was strategically good. I mean, if we were, if we were having a look at this man from a purely business model, he'd already um, obviously looked after his wealth and his welfare. I mean, he was a good businessman, right? And there was an abundance in, in his crop. And so strategically, he thought, well, what do I do with this abundance? Most obvious thing to do would be to tear down my barns and to build bigger ones. I mean, that's a good strategic decision. Maybe there was going to be a famine that was going to happen. Maybe there was going to be something difficult. And so he made a good strategic decision to prepare for the future. We love doing that in the church, preparing for the future. But sometimes in order to live in the present we actually have to develop a deep sense of faith. I've been sharing with the trustee committee because I know this church has been through an interesting journey and a wonderful journey in building the mission building, but a painful journey because we've had to raise funds and we've had to make difficult decisions. And let me tell you, that is taxing on the souls of a community. But if there's one thing I've discovered about any building project, this particular building that we're in, the mission building, is that the building projects are not just about the physical spaces, not just about the money, but they're about the journey and the faith that has been built. And, and sometimes it's hard because things get difficult. We even get difficult with each other. Because really, sometimes when things are difficult, we're not exactly sure what to do. 
But here we see that in this particular passage, like what happens ultimately in any building project for the kingdom of God, is ultimately we have to let go. Because God is really in control. What does the scripture say? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We want to hold tight to the church, but never forget Jesus is the one who actually controls the church. It is not brilliant sermons, fantastic worship. You know, it's really about who is in control. And so here Jesus is saying, do not determine your whole life's purpose in gathering possessions. Because that will ultimately lead to a futile life. And I want to be quite specific today because there is no way we can get away from this scripture in dealing with the folly of just following riches. If we move to the book of Proverbs, do you know how many times Proverbs refers to the word fool? 40 times. You know, and that's kind of like, you know, it's not very nice to say you're a fool. You know, I mean, none of us really want to be called a fool. But ultimately, you know, we don't often see God active in the scriptures. But here's God's very active. The rich fool, this man is a fool, you fool. I mean, it's like, I'm like so uncomfortable now that I don't even want to carry on. Like, I want to look behind me and, you know. When we listen to the word fool, really, I think what Jesus is doing is Jesus is showing us a path of wisdom. And he's ultimately wanting us to move out of the places, as, this, as the Proverbs say, of being babbling fools. Just listen to a couple of the verses if you really want to get uncomfortable. Um, Proverbs 10, 14 says, The mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Okay? A fool does not care about learning. He or she is just too busy. Proverbs 12, verse 15, the ways of a fool is right in their own eyes, but a wise person listens to advice. The fool rejects the advice of others and instead listens only to himself or herself. A fool, according to Proverbs 13, verse 16, says a fool flaunts their folly. In other words, a foolish person is proud of their wrong actions. Isn't that true? Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to say, oh my goodness, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Now we struggle with that. In Proverbs 26, uses a parallel and, 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 and speaks, and think of, think of this one. This is quite graphic. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Moving on. I think you've got the point. 40 times. I've got the list if you need it. <laughs> so ultimately, we are confronted with the contradictions of our own determination. Because really, I think what is happening in this particular text is that, is that this man is determined completely to rely on his own power. And so somehow, you and I are called to weigh in on our own lives. Where is it that we are absolutely determined to rely only on our own power? Because there are a couple of things that this rich fool represents. Number one, he's greedy. When is enough enough? I suppose we all have to ask that question. When is enough enough? When do I have enough? 
He was greedy. He operated in, in a mathematical sense. Because when, when we can settle with enough, then we know one thing is for sure. We're not depending on God's provision. Because we have determined our future. I believe that this fool was practically an atheist. He really didn't believe in God. Because if we do believe in God, we really believe in the God of the impossible. If you cannot say that I have experienced God of the impossible in my life, then maybe there has just been too much holding on. And maybe you have to think to yourself in this moment, when last did you experience the God of the impossible? We do not experience the God of the impossible in our own strength. It is only in our weakness. So ultimately, it is when you hear of people that are given a, have gone through the valley of the shadow of death, that they have lost a child or they have lost devastating partner, or if they have, if they have lost their whole lives, when, when there's been a diagnosis, that's when I listen for the truth of people saying, I have met the God of the impossible. And so the truth is, it is in our brokenness that we discover that our determination to always be in control is folly. So this man really didn't believe in God because if he had believed in God, perhaps he would have gone to God and said, God, what do I do with my abundance? How do I share it? Because Jesus makes a very specific point when he says, build for yourself treasures in heaven. So how do we do that? You know, I know... Um, this definitely doesn't translate, but there, you know, when we die, we take nothing with us. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. But we always take our hearts. What is in your heart, you take to heaven. So that is how we build for ourselves treasures in heaven. If we're to believe the scriptures about the banquet when Jesus tells the parable, maybe it is when we reach out and touch the poor that we take that banquet into heaven. Maybe it's the moments when we risked our own honor for the kingdom that we take into heaven. Maybe it is when we choose a simple life that we take it into heaven, when ultimately we put heaven first. And that's really what Jesus is doing as he's teaching his disciples. You experience heaven on earth when our focus is heaven and not the things of this world. And so the final thing that I want to speak about this morning is ultimately what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to discover a life in all its fullness. Who doesn't want that? We all want a life in all its fullness. We all want a life that is determined by, by a destiny that we fulfill in terms of God's desire on our lives. Remember what I said to you a few moments ago. Jesus had set his eyes on Jerusalem, and he knew what it would mean to fulfill God's plan and destiny upon his lives. None of us should ever strive for a eulogy that lists our possessions on earth. None of, I mean, I've never been to a funeral where they've given our bank statements. Have you? I mean, I've never, never been. Never. And so how is it that we live wisely with what we have? Because according to what we have, to whom much is given, 
much is expected. So we are called to live as wise people without condemnation, but to live generously in the lives that are around us. And ultimately, we are called to discover what it is that God has purposed and planned for your life and for my life. And so today, we weigh in on where we are distracted. Perhaps we need to weigh in on where we are determined to operate in our own strength. And maybe, maybe in this one moment, we need to let go. Because it is as we let go of our own strength that we discover what God has purposed and planned for our lives. Because we no longer control the agenda. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, sometimes we are just used to doing life on our own. Sometimes we, we don't make these subtle choices because we, we seek to harm ourselves or others, but maybe because we think they're really good decisions. Perhaps we don't come to you first in everything. It's not really our human nature to do that, to come to you first. And so teach us to do that. Teach us in this life that we're walking and living to come to you first. Forgive us for being in the crowd and unable to hear the wisdom. Sometimes we've sat for years and years in church and, and sometimes that's just felt like we've been unable to allow wisdom to penetrate us. But we know, Lord God, that you call every one of us to, to face Jerusalem, to face the plans and destiny you have for us. For you love us. And so we pray, God, that you would deal with the foolish ways of our lives so that we would know without a doubt that you are ultimately in control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, um, I'm going to invite Peyton to share with us the pegs. We have some really exciting um, ministry moments when it comes to what is happening in the life of New Horizons. So Peyton's going to come up now. I'm going to invite Quinn and Jacob if you want to join us as well so that we can share a little bit. And then once we've done that, we will take up the offering. Thank you. So today's peg is like a threefer. We get lots of things today. The first one we're going to begin about, and then I'm going to turn it over to Jacob and Quinn, is our United Methodist Children's Home. Um, I believe most of us know that we have the Broward office of the United Methodist Children's Home foster care here on campus in our building. What you may not know are the miracles that happen on a regular basis because this office is here. Um, I know that we have received messages in the past couple of months where families have been connected with babies at just the right time. 
to make sure that an infant is cared for and provided a healthy home. And those were through connections of our community, our learning center, our church, and the foster care um, children's home. So sometimes we forget, and I did last night, I was reading about the children's home, and do we remember that it's over 100 years old? That this initiative to love children and nurture children and to raise them in a way that gives them security and love and a foundation of what it feels like to be loved by Jesus started over 100 years ago in Enterprise, Florida. There are many, many ways to help the children's home, one of which is to consider being foster care parents or respite care parents. Finding out how we can serve the families of our foster care children here in Broward County can be a huge way to help, and this church has always had a heart for the foster care. Our 10 for 10 today is for foster care, but I would invite you today to go to fumch.org, which is the Children's Home website. I was surprised and amazed. I thought I knew so much, and there's so much to tell, and there's so much that we don't know. So that is a first peg. And then the next thing, this is all about children and community and how we grow in our faith and how we serve. I'm going to invite Jacob and Quinn to tell you about their idea that is coming to us in September. Good morning. Uh, my brother and I are here today to tell you about a new program we're bringing to the church called Let's Eat. Um, the goal of the program is to bring together the members of New Horizon and the surrounding community together for a communal meal once a month. Um, yeah. We're excited to introduce Let's Eat to New Horizon for a couple of reasons. First, to create a program for the older youth to lead. Both of us have valued our time in the youth group and would like to create a lasting impact. Second, when we lived in Tennessee, Wednesday nights at the church were reserved for family and fellowship through a community meal. It would be great to build from the outreach at the Everglades campus and to create a similar tradition here. And third, to honor our grandparents. They started Let's Eat in Upper Michigan 10 years ago and have served over 20,000 meals to not only church members, but to the entire community. We're, hope, we're hopeful to build on their legacy. We hope to have this community meal and process run by the youth group and reach those that need meals and those that want to become part of our church community. Please join us for the inaugural Let's Eat meal on September 11th in the Mission Building at 5 p.m. Um, we'll have spaghetti and meatballs with drinks and dessert. Uh, please bring your friends and family and come out. Thank you. So what they failed to tell you is they came complete with this idea, fully mapped out with a PowerPoint, not only a plan to, this would be great to include all the youth in our community, but also a way to invite the whole community in. So we invite you to not only come, but invite your neighbors and friends. And so they will have flyers in the lobby later. There'll be more information coming out and we will be sharing that. But um, I'm gonna ask you to give another hand to these young men because they were. They had me in tears at least twice, and some of you will say, well, that's no big deal, but, you know. Um, the last part of our pegs this morning is just an announcement of award that we received um, for the efforts of Nourishing Lives and New Horizon in the community. And it's important to hear what this award is and to know that without the two entities together, this award would never have happened. It is the Governor's Faith and Community-Based Initiative Certificate of Recognition. Uh, we don't know how we got it. 
but it showed up in the mail this week that just let us know that they thank us for serving our communities and for making a positive difference in the lives of others. That um, we have made a difference in our community for those, it says, for your involvement in this initiative, your frontline service and commitment to the vulnerable populations of Florida. So congratulate yourselves and those that you meet. for being part of an outreach program through Nourishing Lives that feeds the community and makes a difference in the world that we live in. Thank you so much. Thank you. So let us pray together for the offering. Lord God, as we receive the offering now, we want to acknowledge the offering that is made throughout the week and online. We thank you, God, for your incredible provision. We bring you our talents. We bring you our time, and we bring you our treasure, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so friends, let us stand together as we conclude our time of worship with one another.
friends, we receive that blessing that God wants his love to shine upon us. He wants his countenance upon us and all of our family. Isn't that an amazing blessing in our coming and our going? And so I know that Janice and Michael are going on holiday. And yay! <laughs> and so we pray that blessing over the two. I don't know who else is going on holiday, but I know they are. And we pray that blessing upon you as you rest and enjoy your time together. And so now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Friends, a couple of things before you go. Um, we do have um, some time to connect with each other in the mission building. Let me tell you what there is. There is donuts, there, is, there are brownies, there is lemonade, there are cookies. So please join us and say hi. I'll see you out in the foyer. Thank you.